0: Thank you, Blaine. I appreciate it. It's good to walk into this room and to see passion and to feel freedom. I love that. All right. I'm a little out of breath. I did run over. I realized I didn't need to. All right. It is good to be here this morning. It really is. I'm excited to have the opportunity to jump into the series that we're on, Firefall, to talk a little bit about how the Holy Spirit moves on Sunday mornings and is present with us when we gather. And to begin, I'll give you the direction that we're headed this morning. I really just want to look at two things, well, kind of three things. What are some barriers for us, but also what is the Holy Spirit's role on a Sunday morning when we gather, and then what's our responsibility to him and this is super broad scope by the way right Fifty thousand foot view there's like thousands of roles that he fills on a sunday morning and in general and and when you look in the scripture there's a ton and so i'm I'm going very large scope here and i'm also going to be splitting this up into two weeks every time i preach this happens where it's like there's just so much here and i don't want to do a disservice to the holy spirit in this way and what he does here because i think it's amazing And so the second part of this message is going to be June 6th, so about a month here. Church is unique, though, in that it is an event-based thing, which means that we gather together a time. That's really what creates a church in the first place, is people gathering together, whether it's in large groups, whether it's in small groups, whether it's individuals. We gather together, and it's all based on that. And the only consistent gathering that goes on at our church on a regular basis, no matter what, even through a pandemic, praise God, even as it happened online, is the Sunday morning services. And so that's why I feel it's really, really important for us to talk about what we do here and how we interact with God on a Sunday morning and how, how, what does He do here? How is He moving And when we come together and how do we not miss it? How do we partner with Him in that? As Pastor Shane's mentioned in this series, the Holy Spirit is a largely misunderstood and overlooked part of the Trinity. I would say as a whole, in the broad scope church, the most overlooked. I would also say in this congregation, he's also the most overlooked. And least interacted with, as well, on a conscious level. I believe we're interacting with him all the time, we just don't realize it. But I would say, you know, we sing songs to God the Father. We sing songs to God the Son. We do sing some to the Holy Spirit. But if you look at the proportion, it's way, way, way off. And we just don't engage with Him consciously as much as, as I believe we should. And I believe there's many barriers for that, but I'm just going to highlight two for us this morning. One is a lack of understanding on who the Spirit of God is, which I am so grateful that Shane really brought clarity to that last week that was amazing and two is fear and i think that these both really go hand in hand because we typically fear what we don't understand or comprehend in the first place if you're like me you probably have some negative at times automatic thoughts come to your head when we start to talk about the holy spirit moving on a sunday morning at church, just in a in a service in general, maybe you start thinking of a service where people are dancing and shouting and praising and lifting hands, healings are occurring, people are falling on their faces, etc. And maybe the words "insincere" or "ingenuine" come to mind. Maybe if you're ever in a situation or an environment like that, instead of leaning in to how the Holy Spirit may be moving, you sense yourself backing up and leaning away, removed, unsure, and, and skeptical of what he may be doing. And if that's you, I am not here to shame you this morning in any way, shape, or form. I'm not even here to change your mind, although I think he may like to change some things and rewire and renew some things in your mind as we talk. I'm simply here to just help you see more clearly the Holy Spirit, to provide uh, uh, to shed light, let there be light on the Holy Spirit and to simply let Him move to change your perspective as He sees fit. So with that being said, I want to invite Him to do so. Let's just pray to Him. Holy Spirit, You are here with us and within us. And that is enough. That's all we need this morning. So thank You for being here. Thank You for being present. can't thank You enough. We pray that you would move and speak in unique and fresh and new ways and that you would reveal to our hearts your presence, that you would reveal to our hearts anything that you wish to bring up this morning. We have requests, but ultimately it's whatever you want to do. Would you give us open hearts to hear, ears to hear. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. In those examples earlier that I gave you about, like, you know, or that example, I should say, the church service or whatever it may be, some of that may be true and genuine and sincere, and some may not. And so discernment is important. Using the mind that God has given us is important. And so is using our hearts to feel and trust and to sense Him as well. Merely engaging with God on a cognitive or mental level Will often leave you on the outskirts of what He is doing. Let me repeat that. Merely engaging with God on a cognitive or mental level will often leave you on the outskirts of what He is doing. We are holistic beings, and we're not just uh, uh, emotionless, lifeless thinkers. And we are not um, we're not thinkers that have no or, or sorry. And we're not at the same time. Um, overwhelmed with any sense of emotion that comes our way without Examining it and without looking at it and seeing where it's coming from and why it's there Both are important your mind and your heart What I found is that we often as people we run away or really sprint away from what we fear the most Which causes us to polarize away from our fears and creates a whole nother unhealthy extreme Which then leads to at times worse things than what we feared in the first place. Let me explain a little more Let's say you had an experience like that of what I mentioned. Maybe let's even say it was what we experienced if you were here last week during the song, Here's My Heart, when we just left some space and some room for Holy Spirit to speak as He wished and for us to just listen. Maybe that was super uncomfortable with, you know, for you, and that's okay if it was. But let's say you decided in that moment, if, if you have just something kind of coming to your mind where you were skeptical or unsure, let's decide, say you decided in that moment that whatever was going on in that service was not genuine, genuinely from the Holy Spirit. You looked at what you saw, you said, nope, that's not him. That may lead you to lean away from anything tangible or visual that you see. Because you have a certain idea, a box per se, of what the Holy Spirit can and does do. And so then this leads you to not engaging with God on that physical, tangible level, or even an emotional level, because it feels scary, unsafe, and ingenuine if emotions and physical expressions are involved. And so then you cap your experience of God and your growth and intimacy in Him at the place where your fear first started and you never move past it. If I think to myself, that wasn't the Holy Spirit, then I run away from what I saw or what I think I saw and I isolate myself and quench the Holy Spirit when He does move in me. This is both unhealthy and unhelpful. Let's say, though, on the other hand, a person attending that service may interpret that whatever occurred was truly of the Holy Spirit, but they didn't like it. They were uncomfortable with it, and it felt weird to them. They didn't understand it. That's also going to lead you to lean away from the Holy Spirit altogether out of a fear of the unknown or the uncomfortable. And so either way, in both of those scenarios, you're either leaning away from the Holy Spirit Himself, or you're leaning away from what He's doing. Neither are good, neither are helpful. Here's what I believe is happening. We see an extreme of something, or what we interpret to be an extreme of something, and then because we're so afraid of that extreme that maybe has been misused, instead of seeing the truth in it, we then polarize to the other extreme. And so we're not actually running away from the truth, We're not actually running away from the Holy Spirit. We're running away from our perception, and we're running away from our fears, and we're running away from maybe even misuse of the truth, or of the Holy Spirit. You See how this happens? It's so subtle. We need to be careful with this. I'm saying all of this to start because I think it's so important that before we understand the Holy Spirit's role on Sunday mornings, that we understand some of the barriers or the strongholds that may be interfering from seeing Him as He is and trusting Him as He is. So children of God, if I may be bluntly, truthful, and gracious with you this morning, let me tell you this, Romans 8.15, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Child of God, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Child of God, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we did not receive a spirit of slavery or fear. We have received the spirit of adoption and the spirit of freedom. And if we no longer have a spirit of fear, then that must mean we don't have to be enslaved to fear anymore. That must mean that we're free from it. And so you may be asking, how do I get free of this fear? Or any fear in general that comes up, I'm constantly stuck in this place of fear. Child of God, step one is, see that you are already free. See that you are already free from the fear. You can still still hold on to it. And you can still believe it at times and go down that road but you are free from it. Your shackles have been broken, but you doesn't keep you from still sitting there as if they are still shackled to you. Check this out. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where does the spirit now dwell, as Shane has been talking about on Sunday mornings? Where is his temple? In you. In you. So, child, you are free from these fears. Do not submit to something you've already been free from. I'm going to ask you this morning to lean in today to the Holy Spirit and what He's doing instead of leaning away. Lean in. Erwin McManus said that your fear... Nope. Erwin McManus said that your freedom is on the other side of your fears. And I'm, I would adapt that to what I just detailed to say your experience... Of freedom is on the other side of your fears because even though you have been set free you can still submit to fears and not experience that freedom but child of God you have indeed been set free from them but you don't get to the other side of those fears by running away from them if your fear is right here and you're right here and you run away from it look at all that space you're giving it as you suppress it as you avoid it as you run away it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it grows. It doesn't go away. Your freedom is on, your experience freedom is on the other side when you face it and when you jump over that. And so this morning, I would encourage you to run it and face it together this morning. Ask Holy Spirit to help you with that. As mentioned today, I just wanna give a brief overview of the Holy Spirit's role on Sunday mornings and our response or responsibility, but I wanted to discuss that first. I really just wanna talk about one role this week, that's it. He's here. He's present. Right? It's like the easiest thing that you can do. Do the roll call in class. Present! He's always present when we roll call. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 John 4.13 says, By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us. Of His Spirit, First Corinthians six nineteen says, "Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So if you are a Christian here this morning, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. It's already here, and here's our first responsibility: acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. There will never be a church service that you attend that the Holy Spirit doesn't come with you." He is always present with us and in us no matter what. Jesus left and said, I'm sending the helper. I'm sending my spirit to you to be in you. So it's not as if his presence is coming and going in proximity to to us because he is always with us. What is most often changing is our awareness of his presence is increasing. We're coming to realize it more. And that's part of what the music team is here for, actually, is to help turn our attention and our affections to God in worship. And to help us become more aware of him as we sing truths about him but know this we are by no means ushering in the presence of god as a music team nobody in this room can usher in the presence of god because jesus already did that he already accomplished that that was his role he brought us in and drew us near the veil was torn from the top to the bottom Partially to signify that man couldn't do it. It had to be God that did it. He did it. It is finished. We just had this whole Easter series that talks about that. Jesus' finished work. We're simply helping us to see that reality more clearly. We're simply helping our minds to realign with what we know is already true. The Holy Spirit already lives within you. You are already united with Jesus Christ through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Our awareness of that is what is changing, not the measure of it. But we need to acknowledge that He is here and He is present. It's a responsibility that we have. And I believe over time it will become a joy of yours. And I believe over time it will lead to freedom, the experience of freedom because where the Spirit of the Lord is abundant life, there is freedom. freedom. Amen. But if we aren't aware that He's here within us, Our experience of that freedom will be lacking. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We also need to acknowledge Him as a person, though, too. Shane talked about this last week the Holy Spirit is a person. He deserves to be acknowledged. There are few things worse in life than being neglected and being ignored as a person. I work with kids who experience horrendous amounts of trauma. And I learned early on, and just learning about trauma trainings and things like that, that neglect, you know, pattern neglect over time, can have a worse effect, and often has a worse effect on on the brain than abuse. And this is the reason why. Consistent abuse over time sends the message, I don't like you. Consistent neglect over time sends the message, you don't exist. And there's not much worse than people not even acknowledging your existence, let alone not acknowledging you as a unique being and a unique person. And I believe that both of these happen with the Holy Spirit. I believe we we subliminally, subconsciously, or maybe even at times consciously deny his existence. We deny his role. We deny uniquely what he is doing. You you felt this, where people lump you and group you into a a category, a, a group. How about millennials? Right? Oh, such a millennial. Guys, there's like a billion millennials in the world. We're not all the same. Like we don't, it's not all the stereotypes like, are true of us, right? But you know what that feels like, to, uni- to not be uniquely seen as you. Or maybe, maybe uh, if, if uh, I, can't th- I can't imagine twins, right? I cannot imagine twins, how difficult this must be. You always come together. <laughs> I mean, you literally you came into this world together, but, but it's a, I, I, that would be so tough, but like, if you have brothers and sisters, to not uniquely be seen as you, that's not fun. That's not fun. And so I believe that we need to acknowledge the Holy Spirit both as who He is as a person and who He uniquely is as a person. And so think about it. how it feels like if we we do our church services and not even acknowledging that He exists, let alone not acknowledging that He's present within us and that He's uniquely revealing Himself to us. Maybe when we forget that He's there, maybe we don't even mention His name in a whole service without acknowledging the presence of the work that He's doing. I'm not here to speculate how He may feel about that. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit lives and, and desires to glorify and honor the, the son and the father. And I believe that they do the same for him. And so I don't think he's sitting in the corner pouting if we don't say his name. I'm not here to speculate specifically about what he's feeling. I'm just here to bring awareness to the fact that neglect of his existence or his presence is not what he desires and it's not good for you at all. The Holy Spirit is not insecure. But pattern neglect of him over time actually sends the message more to us subliminally that he doesn't exist and or really doesn't matter. Acknowledge him and you'll start to see him more and more. I remember when Haley and I went to buy our first car that we bought together. It was a Honda Pilot. Didn't even know that was a thing until I walked onto the car lot and the guy's like, you should try this. We drove it. We bought it. And then the next day and throughout that, really forever, what do I always notice now? on the pilots, right? I acknowledge I acknowledge his existence, and it, I just started seeing it everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, these things are everywhere. That's the same with the Holy Spirit. You start to acknowledge that he's there, you're gonna see him moving, you're gonna see him everywhere. He is present. Second a responsibility we have is to expect. Bob Coughlin talks about coming with a sense of eager expectation when we come to church or when we plan for services. I want to turn to Genesis 1, 1 through 2. Did you know that the Holy Spirit shows up in the very first chapter of the Bible? This is so cool. Gotta check this out. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I love what the ESV study Bible says about this this phrase, hovering over the waters. It says, this comment creates a sense of expectation. Something is about to happen. And then what happens? God speaks the first words ever recorded in human history. He says, let there be light. A prophetic and creative word over his creation and all of humanity. The Spirit of God was hovering. The expectation was there. He was moving. And then it all started. It all began. How cool is that? So I just imagine at times God's Spirit hovering over our congregation in a sense in each of our hearts, just waiting for that moment of truth to be spoken that each of us then receives exactly what we need in that moment, whether it be a word of truth or a conviction or a moment of repentance and assurance of His love and forgiveness. Reminded we are his children, whatever it may be. So, when you come on Sunday mornings, come with expectation that God will move. I appreciate Blaine so much. He probably said it this morning. I wasn't here at the beginning of this service, but he often says, I believe everyone here is going to get Hey, you guys know it. Awesome. I knew it. I knew it. I believe everyone here is going to get a word from God. And he truly believes that. He truly believes that. And I appreciate that so much. And I talked with him about, you know, just emceeing and kind of that time at the beginning of the service. And he said, you know, what I really like to do is raise the sense of expectation in the room for what God can do. I love that. Can we join Blaine in this by acknowledging God's presence and then expecting him to move? Let's do it. One thing to note, though, don't come with an expectation on how the Holy Spirit will move. Amen. Simply come with an expectation that he will move. So come with a posture of expectation, not a list of expectations. And here's the reason for this. When we begin to speculate and forecast in our minds specifically how the Holy Spirit will move, and then that doesn't occur, we tell ourselves this story. Maybe subconsciously or maybe consciously. The story is this. He didn't end up moving. Which may or may not be the case. The Holy Spirit can choose to move when He wishes and when He doesn't. I believe in a, in a, in a sense... He's always working even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, right? The song Waymaker, we sing that. In another sense, he, he uniquely moves, and he doesn't have to ever do that. But here's what is more so often the case when we come with a list of expectations is that we are just simply not looking through the right lens. It's often not that he didn't move. It's that we weren't looking in the right place. Nevertheless, come with expectation. Here's the third rule. Because he's present, invite him. Invite him to come and move in and among us, ask Him to reveal Himself, ask Him to speak, ask Him to move. And we do this through prayer and we do this through song as well. And so we sing words like, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. And here again we sing, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Come Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken. When you come in the room, when you do what only you can do, Listen, those are not theological statements about God's distance from us and our need for him to come to us from some separate place or to come into a room where he previously wasn't at. First of all, he's on the present. Secondly, he dwells within you. Proximity-wise, can't get any closer to you. He lives within you. So why do we sing these things then? What do they really mean? I believe that there's a sense in which the Holy Spirit both, both moves within our hearts as he lives within us, and that he also acts and moves among us. In a sense, in our minds, filling the room. I believe that He manifests Himself more fully to us. And I believe it's appropriate and healthy that we we ask Him to do both. To increase our awareness of Him within us and to ask Him to move uniquely among us. And I wanna just explain this a little bit. I believe that the Bible speaks of this, of God acting upon us while working within us through His Spirit. And I believe it encourages us to do the same. Paul prays, and he often prays things, For believers that they already have. Alright, so check this out. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Later in Ephesians, in the fifth chapter, uh, Paul commands the Ephesians, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tim Keller speaks to this apparent contradiction in his book on prayer. He states, why is Paul asking God to give Christians things that they must surely already have? There can only be one answer. At one level, Christians have these things. At another level, they haven't experienced that. What Paul is talking about is the difference between having something be true of you in principle and fully appropriating it, using it, living in it, in your inner being and in your heart. Take the objective truth, Holy Spirit and make it my subjective reality and experience. So what he's saying is that Paul's asking God to move through his spirit in a specific and unique way to help the Ephesian believers experience a deeper understanding and sense of the truths that already exist about them. A refreshing, a refreshing, so to speak. Which is why the old hymn says, Spirit of the living God, all afresh on me. We're asking him to move in unique and fresh ways. It's like when you're in a room with someone, And all of a sudden, they do something so original and so unique to them. And then somebody says, Johnny just showed up, right? Johnny was there the whole time, but whatever he did was like, only him, only him, right? He was manifesting more of himself when he did whatever it was that was unique to him. When you come in the room, when you do what only you can do, it's similar with the Holy Spirit. There are times when he chooses to manifest and reveal himself more fully and to help us to see him or us in a unique or different way. And it points us to realize that only he could do that. When we talk about inviting him, we're really talking in personal terms. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. And so really invitation is about relationship. That's all we have left when religion is out of the way when you no longer have to strive to do anything to win God's affection or presence over you or in you, it's relationship, simply abiding in Him. So when we sing those words, you can consider it a relational invitation and a request for an increased heightened awareness of Holy Spirit's presence within us, a greater experience of Him, an expression of our desperate dependence on Him to empower us and to move, an expression of our openness to his work and presence in our lives. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Take these songs in context as well. How about, I'm not enough unless you come, will you meet me here again? What does the bridge of that song say? Not for a minute was I forsaken. Again, the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. He didn't leave. He didn't go anywhere. I wasn't planning on saying that. I just felt that. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit, take the objective truth of your presence within us and make it our subjective experience. Real, reveal yourself to us more fully. Manifest yourself to us more fully. Increase our awareness. Help us to experience you. Move in a new way. Fall afresh upon us. I encourage you every time you come on a Sunday morning, every time you gather with your life group, every time you come to a city service event, invite the Holy Spirit to come and move. And not that you can't invite him to do the same when you're by yourself, but I just encourage you to try it in the context of community and see what happens. It's amazing. Open your heart to him and ask him to move and you'd be surprised how often he longs to meet your requests in those moments. And it doesn't mean He can't move if you don't ask him. It's often more about increasing our understanding that he's already there and he's going to move, already moving. But we can also petition him. We can also ask him the cool thing about God, which is this is kind of crazy to think about, but the transcendent God of the universe interacts with and reacts to us. Mm-hmm. This is all over the Old Testament. When people, people intercede on behalf, right? And ultimately, Jesus provided the greatest intercession so that we could have access to the living God, amazing. And it is indeed a beautiful thing to behold when he does move in those unique ways beyond simply just raising our awareness of his presence. I experienced this last Sunday as I felt a burning passion in my heart to specifically speak and sing a truth over those in the church building, not at Denver's. For some reason, I got this sense that there was a word that God wanted to speak over those here, And so I I sang it, I spoke it, and then what ended up happening was that that was reinforced throughout the rest of the service through multiple different means without any intentionality on the part of those on the stage to do so. The Holy Spirit was manifesting Himself in a unique way that moved me and reassured me and affirmed me of His work this morning here at ALCF. And if He's working in any of your hearts to come and ask me after the service what that word was. Maybe it was for you. Come talk to me. I would love to hear, I would love to, to talk more. Come talk to Shane too, because I talked with him about it. He knows exactly what it is. Because he's because he talked about it as well, specifically. Last role, he is present. Last responsibility, sorry. He is present, so we praise. We praise. We praise him for his presence and for moving. God, Jesus, the Savior of the world, the King of the universe, the Son of God, has chosen to make His dwelling place within you. The more that you see that, understand that, and recognize that, not just on a daily basis, but also when we come here, you're not going to be able to help but praise. Just acknowledge that and sit in that and soak in it. Remember that truth every time we gather together and let your heart respond in praise, lavish praise, joyful praise. Praise Him because He's worthy. Praise Him because He's earned it. Praise Him for who He is uniquely as a divine person. and Praise Him for His presence dwelling in you. And let your mind wander and ponder on the glories of what made it possible in the first place for the Holy Spirit's presence to be within you. The Gospel. Jesus Christ. Think about God the Father giving His one and only Son. And Jesus, the Son, willingly giving of Himself and finishing the work that He set out to do, tearing the veil for us and ascending so that He would now live in us and through us. Oh, what grace. Oh, what beauty. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. So we acknowledge that He's here. We expect Him to move. We invite Him to move. And we pray, son. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That is primarily because Jesus welcomed him, welcomed him into our hearts, into our lives. Thank you so much for being faithful. To come and to move in mighty and beautiful ways. Thank you so much that we, oh, if we could just get, get, get through our, our minds from, from a, a, a mind level to a real heart deep deep level, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, then we can blank, fill in whatever blanks that we have. We can have that difficult conversation. We can quit that job that we know we we don't need to be at. We can move on from that relationship that we know is not for us. We can let go of those fears that we know are no longer ours because we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That power is within us. Would you renew our minds to that again and again and again and affect our hearts deeply with? Thank you so much for being faithful, for being here, for moving. We love you. We expect you to continue to do it. We invite you to continue to do it here at ALCF. And we praise you for already doing it. And we praise you in advance for what you're going to do. I just think of next Sunday as we dedicate uh, children to you. What a beautiful Sunday that will be. We expect you to move in mighty ways to remind us of our childlike faith, the simplicity of the gospel, to praise you for the work that you've done in in the children in this church. We just pray over them right now. We just pray over each of the the children in this church that they would grow up believing and knowing that your presence is within them as followers of Jesus. They don't have to do a thing to get you to come. We love you. It's in Jesus' name and by Jesus' name, His sacrifice and His mediation that we pray. Amen.